Hello and welcome. My name's Pete Rushmer and I'm your host today of a Half Dozen Things podcast. A Half Dozen Things is a podcast for business owners and professionals just like you. Whether you're an underdog hungry for success or you're already smashing it but want to continue to level up, we are here each week for you to get insight and learning from the very best in the business. No fluff, no BS and no self-proclaimed gurus talking about how easy business or life is. Just real, raw and frank conversations. My curiosity and impatience in seeking success has encouraged me to create a Half Dozen Things podcast. I designed it to bring you simplicity and discovery back to the forefront of your lives. We're all such busy people, it's easy to overlook the simple things we could be doing to achieve wealth, success and happiness. If you love today's podcast, please do share it, subscribe and let all your friends know how great the podcast is. Thank you. Hi, I'm buzzing today to be joined by Simon Hinks. He's a GDPR specialist, and I know what you're all thinking, absolute snoresville, but Simon's able to make it really interesting. Simon began his career as an accountant before moving into direct sale holidays. He spent many years in financial services working across a range of products and services, which included regulated products. Data protection was always high on his agenda, and since setting up his business 15 years ago, he has worked across many different business sectors for both B2B and B2C including being a judge for the DMA and Loyalty Awards. For the last five years, he has been working solely on GDPR and its implementation into businesses. This has entailed auditing, data mapping, policy writing and training of staff members and teams on how GDPR affects their day-to-day roles. He has audited every type of business, from a musician to a chocolate factory to IT companies and charities. A member of the DMA, the Data Marketing Association, the EEDAP and the ADPP and the GDPR, wow, that's a lot of letters, Institute. He was written core training modules for the IDM, Institute of Direct Marketing, GDPR certificate, which won an award. He also lectures MA students at the University of Pittsburgh on the global impact of GDPR to businesses. He currently speaks at set security events around facial recognition under the GDPR framework too. Listen to him today talk about how you can affect GDPR and how to embrace it in your new working from home culture. Good morning, Simon. How are you today? I'm fine, Pete. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks for joining me today on a Half Dozen Things podcast. Uh, I've just introduced the listeners to you uh, on, on your introduction, um, and we're going to be speaking today about GDPR, which is an area of specialism for you and something you do in business. Can you tell the audience a little bit more about how you can help with GDPR and make sure that businesses stay compliant? Well, I, I mean, I th- the first thing is um, I'm almost reluctant to say GDPR because I think people are quite bored with it or it's, uh, it's fallen down on their agenda. But I think what is important is that companies realise that if their staff are working from home, then you need to seriously think about uh, the tools that they're using to uh, to communicate with the business and the environment. And so what I've done today is I've created six different environments that one of your staff members might find themselves working in. And the reason I've done this is because it's all to do with data and the security of the data. And, and how your staff use it and look after it. Because at the end of the day, if your business has a number of customers 
well, in fact, the number of staff, and you've got staff all over the country uh, using this data for whatever reason, and uh, it goes and they lose it or it gets stolen by a competitor, then the, the impact on you as a business could be quite large. So, so what I was going to do was um, try and use the word GDPR as little as possible, um, but try to um, businesses today in this current environment and also go forward because there are, there are businesses that have now realised that actually most of our staff can work from home and, and why not let them work from home? You know, let's downsize our office space and, and save money. So that's been one of the big things. So when, when this starts, when you decide, I know the decision has already been made in reality, but if you were to decide who was going to be working from home and the risk to the business, you would, you would ideally take each individual staff member, understand the environment that they're going to be working in. So the reason, there's several reasons why you do this. So if we take an example, so maybe you've got your accounts team and your accounts team is made up of, a, a, let's say, a family person with kids and some young accountants who are uh, maybe in a shared house um, or, or living with their parents. So straight away, you've got three different scenarios there. And, and what I would do is I would look at each one of those individually. So we'll take the, the head of the accounts team. So he's got his, uh, he's not got an office at home yet. Uh, he's got a reasonable size house. He's got a partner and he's got children. He is saying that he's likely to be working from his uh, either kitchen table or the dining room table. And uh, he has one laptop at home um, and they play, so they play some of their games on it. Okay, so the first thing is you've got a scenario where uh, the machine that the person is using, you won't necessarily know uh, the uh, cyber security where it could have something it could have nothing uh is he using windows um or uh, android machine um and what do the kids do on it are they just them or is it their phone play games and uh, and how old are the children is there teenagers in there are there are they running any peer-to-peer groups so there's a whole lot of activity that could be happening off this one laptop in the house and and if i'm a business i, I think when i so i'm beginning to look at a business laptops you know let's try and create some the business should really consider providing those laptops for you to work from home and those laptops would contain the same same kind of cyber security uh software that you need to keep it secure probably not allow you to load other programs and will probably not allow you to copy things to a USB stick. So, so already you've got this, this scenario uh, of trying to keep it as secure as possible. So, so Pete, you through, because I'll just keep talking um, as we go. So, um, so in this account team, so you've got the guy heading up the account team. Um, he is uh, using information which is um, very uh, potentially sensitive to the business. Yep. So you might think about whether he uses a virtual network uh, or a, a VPN, as they, they call it, and um, also make sure that uh, the laptop that he uses 
is a laptop um, which is not accessible by anyone else at home that, that it's done this way because, um, you know, if, if they're using their own laptops or own PCs, then why shouldn't they let their children use it? But it come in the environment that we're in at the moment, working from home, it's important that, that the laptops are used just, just for work-related things. Yeah. And, then, and then you've got the scenario who may be in a shared house where they rent a room or so if you were just to look stop at, you there a moment Simon yeah. Sorry. like this couldn't be more this couldn't be more apt for me at the minute so I've just recruited I've just recruited two members of staff who are going to be working from home and I'm just getting them set up and um they, I know that I know lots of companies now are getting rid of the offices aren't they and sending people home and this is hugely relevant for them because a lot of people genuinely and I'm sure you're probably dealing with them they just haven't thought that far ahead, have they? You know, they've maybe just gone to PC World. At best, they've gone to PC World and gone, here you go, here's a laptop to go and work from home. And uh, and off they've sent them with no no policy and no no sort of uh, backup at all. So, um, yeah, I really liked your first analogy, which is re- very prevalent because, for me, that's something that was happening for me in my previous role before I started the business, being at home with the family, kids using the laptop, um, and then and then me using it for business, and there wasn't really a policy in place. And this was a big company, you know, big big blue chip company. So you know, there was an easy way around what you know the challenges I face. So I quite like this next example. So someone lives in a shared house, which is quite common. You know, you, you'll have someone in a shared house, and they yeah. may not know everyone that's coming and going, but they don't want to sit in their bedroom the whole time. You know, HMOs are becoming more and more prevalent. Um, a lot of people, companies will have team members who live in HMOs and obviously they're then in a shared lounge at times. So tell us a bit more about what happened with that, Simon. Uh, yeah. So, um, um, policies, um, under GDPR is, um, there are a number of policies and there are policies around, um, working from home. That's one of the policies and, and how you keep data secure. There's also policies around, so, for example, when I have a laptop and I'm working from home, what can I do on that laptop? Can I go to Facebook? Can I email my mates? You know, can I look at Twitter? You know, can I can I, so can I use social media on it? So, what are the rules about that? Um, so, that's important that that before a lockdown and people working from home, you sit down and you look at what do the what are the policies I need in place. And what do I want them to say? And and if I do go to PC World and uh, just buy a load of laptops, what do I want is it, are these laptops all the same? Uh, what do I want putting on the laptops to make them secure? Uh, and that's where you may have to get an IT company involved to help you set them up. But it's important that you do think about this. You do get them set up. Um, and that everyone has the same uh, capability on it. So if you're in a shared house, like you say, Pete, um, and you don't know who's coming and going, I mean, one of the biggest issues is if you're in a, a shared house in London, for example, uh, or one of the big cities, um, and say you work in the media business, it's quite likely that your mates will be in a similar industry so, you know, marketing or media or agency world. And it's quite possible that you'll have people in your house who are in who are effectively working for competitors for your business. 
Now, you know, when you're out having a drink, you know, you're all the same. But if, you've, if you're using that lap, laptop on the kitchen table and you're going through some, uh, some data for your customers and, and you're not doing one of the principles of when you leave the laptop, you, you lock it down so no one else can access it. You leave that up and running and you've got people coming past, they can sit down and just have a look at it. I mean, that is, that is also deemed as a breach if they can access that data and that sensitive data. But also, it's, it, there'll be a potentially business data in there, you know, and it could be anything that they could see. And um, so that's why it's really important that you do understand the environment um, that, that your staff is going to be working. Um, and some of these houses could be quite big in London, you know, with a number of people. And as Pete says, you know, every person that lives in the house has got 10 or 12 friends, you know, Friday night, Saturday night, they're all coming round. Parties happen, you know, um, laptops get stolen. So that's the next scenario. Um, making sure that your, your laptops are encrypted or the data is encrypted on them. So if they do get stolen... It, the data is safe and, and if the data is held on the laptop you then have this uh, task as a business to to look at your breach protocol so what data has been lost how sensitive is it and then you have to, within 72 hours to decide whether you need to contact the ICO to say that this data has been lost so you know, it's, this is serious stuff, really, at the end of the day. And I know we do read about cases where people leave laptops on tubes and uh, USBs fall out of people's pockets in nightclubs. All this stuff's got to be encrypted. And if you do lose it, you've got to tell people. Yeah. And a lot of the, the stuff you're talking about, you know, in the, in the businesses I've worked in in the past, it would be a case of, middle middle level managers and above would have a laptop they took home and then you'd have sort of relatively standard you know reception and customer service assistants what have you they would have a desk-based computer which wouldn't go home with them um and then so a lot of a lot of these companies certainly the ones i've worked in there's a certain level of because someone's reached a middle manager level they will just say oh it's just common sense that you protect your laptop and you look after your laptop and what have you because those people have got a level of responsibility. There may be key holders in the business, for example. So they're, they're used to looking after keys. It may be that they've, they're credit card holders, so they've got access to company funds through the credit card. So they've been vetted for that. But actually, right now, we're unprecedented, aren't we, in that we're in a position where we've got, you know, you've taken someone on, you don't really know who they are. You could have just taken them on, and they've got full access at home, on a laptop, unsupervised to your company data. Yeah. And, and actually, you, you, you really need to protect yourself with that. So um, the next scenario we were going to look at was, um, and, and I just wanted to sort of reiterate that because I know, I know people will listen. And when we talk about, and I'll, I'll say it GDPR, but we're trying to avoid saying that. But when, when we say that, people will think, oh, it's just common sense. It's just common sense. Well, actually, common sense is not so common a lot of the time. As, as people will know from various situations. So this sort of third area. So I'll, I've bought and I'm using my own laptop to do my work on, which is actually pretty much a position I'm in at the minute. Obviously, as I've grown my team, um, I'm looking to add more people. What, what, what would you suggest in that scenario, Simon? Right, okay. So, um, and, and as Pete said, this is quite a common one because some people like that they, they buy their laptop of a particular spec because, I mean, for example... 
they could be a, a big gamer. So, you know, they'd be happy to spend £1,000 on a laptop because it's got these added features, whereas for the work, you only need a laptop, which is, you know, three four hundred pounds that won't do the job so so you've, you've now got this interesting scenario where you almost have to split the laptop down the middle work uh, and play now it's not uncommon to be able to uh split your hard drive and and have one half of your hard drive having all the programs required to run your business and all the uh, security protocols and the, um, uh, the software to protect your data all coming off one side of the drive. Um, your your playing activity, whatever that might be, uh, could then be on the other side of the disk. Or, or to be fair, what a lot of people are doing now is they stick it in the cloud. So your laptop just becomes the window into the cloud. So all your security is managed in the cloud and your laptop at home is just your way of accessing that data. So uh, you still have the issues around if you leave your laptop open and, and you don't password protect it, people can still access the information. But having it in the cloud is, is actually quite a big benefit if you think about it because um, what it means is that you could take your laptop anywhere you know if you're out on the road as long as you had a wi-fi connection you could connect to all your files for your business through your password sometimes they use fingerprint and some are using facial recognition to allow you to get into that but you know that, that, that depends on what the laptop is so so the cloud i think is quite a good option to go to go with i mean if you're looking at something like windows 365 which is a common package, you get uh, massive storage and everything's in the cloud. So what actually that means is you could use any laptop to access that, that data um, as long as you remember all your passwords. So, you know, so you've got that. And the other thing is that um, not everyone can afford really nice laptops. So, you know, for example, you might have bought yourself a second-hand one, but it might be quite slow. So, you know, it could be that by doing the work uh, on it, saving the work on it, that it becomes incredibly slow and boring and you hardly get anything done. And again, if you've got good Wi-Fi, good broadband and stuff in the cloud, then it doesn't matter how, really how fast the machine is. You can still do um, all the work that you need to do at the end of the day. Sorry, yeah, I realised so, I, was, I was just yepping then on a, a muted mic, so apologies for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, one, one, one of the things, it, it was, it's slightly off, off, um, or off what we'd prepared to talk about, but talk a little bit more about, you, you just mentioned the word passwords. What is, have you got a recommended software right, or something right. like that? Okay, well, passwords, right. I have a real big issue with passwords, and, um, and I'll just come on to that in a minute. But one of the things that happened to me the other day, I, I used it online. Um, banking on app is a capability and, and normally you know you go through the usual who are you your postcode and your password but because I don't use it very often through the telephone I could I can never remember what the password is and what they've done this time is they've said to me well rather than worry about your password um, we will use voice recognition 
So, so that means that all I have to do is to ring up, ask a couple of questions that I'll know the answer to, like how old I am and where do I live, yeah. and they'll know it's me. Perfect. And I think that's brilliant. I think that's absolutely brilliant. But for most of us, passwords have become the vein of our lives. Uh, we have passwords on everything that we use on our laptops. And in there also include four-digit numbers that we have to use for our banking cards as well when we want to access money. But what I say to companies about passwords is if you change your password as a business of your employees too often, they will forget what it is. So, for example, if we're changing the password every month or two months and I go on holiday for two weeks and I come back, the likelihood is, because I didn't uh, decide what the password is, it was generated for me, I would have forgotten what that password is. Or, even worse, I would have written it down uh, on a notepad and I'll put that in my drawer, yeah. you know, which is even worse. So what I say to businesses is allow the staff to choose their own password, but I would recommend that you change the password once or twice a year. And the reason for that is because people will remember your password. They won't have to write it down. Um, and on the basis that they don't tell anyone what a password is, i.e. they don't share access with anyone else within the business, no one else should be able to predict what that password is. Yeah. And, and they'll remember it. They'll go on holiday for two weeks, they'll come back. And when they don't remember it, it's then a job for IT, whoever they may be, to then reset the password and go through that whole palaver. So... You know, so that, that's that's what I think about passwords. Um, nice. Don't okay. change them too often. Okay, so I've got I've got another scenario for you, Simon. So, yeah. um, children use my laptop. Um, you know, they play games on there, um, and they often have their friends around to play with. Obviously, not on lockdown at the minute, but that 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 may be a bit of a challenge, especially if they're playing games over the net. My lad particularly likes to play games over the net. What what would you say might be some challenges with that? Right, okay. So, um, assuming that you can't afford to give them their own laptop, then the issues you've got there are, I mean, generally, you've got to look at things like these games, do they allow in-app purchases? Because that's the worst thing that could happen if they go off with your credit card and go buy a load of other um, games. They all have in-app purchases now, don't they? I know they do. <laughs> <laughs> They know how to hook you in now, don't they? Because they used to charge like 40 or 50 quid for a game, didn't they? Yeah, and now they give yeah. you the game free. And then it's all about you to pay even more over the lifetime yeah. in the game, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of the games now are online. So, you know, there's not a lot you have to download onto your laptop. You know, they just have to to uh, access it through your laptop. I mean, what one of the things you can do is uh, on a laptop is that um, each of... Uh, you can have your own login and um, login account. And what if you're the administrator of that laptop, there are certain things that you can disable on account. So if you've got your your kids, so they would have their own uh, login. And why not give them you know, each, each of their own login with their own password? And then you can sit down as the uh, administrator and decide what they can access and not access. And that's, that's probably the best way to do it, you know. And, and so you'd probably say things like, 
they're not allowed to download stuff onto your hard drive D, but they can do it on C or or they can't run any of your programs. So all this is quite capable within the Windows environment to do. Um, and you know, it's, it's, you have it already. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and, and I think that's probably the best way. So, nice. give them their own login, and then that login has certain levels of access. And the other thing you could do, if you want to be really mean, is um, on the router, you can you could decide what time of the day they can access stuff through the router. So you could switch that router off for them. Say you want to be in bed by ten o'clock. You could do it so that whatever they're on, whatever tools they're using, it shuts down at 10 o'clock and they don't get any more Wi-Fi or broadband. Nice. That would be very unpopular in my house with my teenage (laughs) daughter. I swear swear she's on TikTok till like early hours of the morning. It's a nightmare. Um, Okay, so... So the next the next scenario we have, which is which is again is going to be very very common, especially with people working from home, is they're going to want to meet up at Costa. Okay, they're going, they're going to want to go out to Costa. Sorry, other coffee shops are available. Sorry, I'm not here to advertise <laughs> anyone really. I, I personally prefer Starbucks, but um, you know each to each their own, right? But there's lots yeah. of nice coffee places out there, Nero's. Uh, anyway, but. People are going to want to go up and they're going to meet out or they're, or, or they're maybe going to want to, I don't know, take the dog up to walk at the park and take the laptop with them or, or whatever it may be. Um, can that present some other challenges? Well, yeah. So now you've got this, um, you've got a scenario where the laptop is being taken out of the office environment into the sort of what I would call like the unknown environment. So uh, if you do go up to, I think, the one on Hampton, uh, the Costa up there, the drive-through, if you go up there on any day for a coffee, you will see loads of people sat at the tables with their with their laptops, with their laptops open. And the other thing I noticed, Bentley's in the driveway. So, you know, there's a lot of money going on in this Costa and Hampton. You should go and have a look sometime. Yeah. But anyway, so... I drive um, past regularly and I'm, I'm all, their car park is almost like a forecourt. It's almost like a forecourt for like a prestige car place. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, absolutely right. And they're lovely, lovely like little MacBooks and stuff like that out yeah. on the desk. And it's like yeah. you know deals are happening. Yeah. Big money stuff. So yeah, you're absolutely right. And then they're probably just going off to the toilet and just leaving them open, aren't they? Right. <laughs> they do. Well, I mean, you have. I mean, you're drinking all that coffee. You have to go to the toilet. And the likelihood is that you're not going to uh, pack everything up and take it in the toilet with you because you'll lose your your space at the table, won't you? So, you know, you either hang on or you have to leave it there yeah, uh, when so. you go to the loo. But, I mean, you know, it's important that all the data on, on your machine is encrypted, uh, that you've got a password and you do lock your laptop down so other people can't, can't see it. And also, I mean, you know, if someone was to come in and, and nick your laptop, if it's a, um, if it's a Mac you know, like a or, or an iPad, iOS. You know, there, there's there's programs that can track can track the uh, um, the machine as it as it gets stolen and driven off somewhere. And you can also put those on your own laptop as well, like a like a little tracker software. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing about having stuff in the cloud. If you have it in the cloud, people don't nick the cloud. They might nick your laptop. But actually, everything you, you want is in the cloud. So all you got to do is just buy a new laptop, and you've got access to everything that you needed. In the, yeah. the only thing is, you'll lose your photographs that you probably mm. put on there of your 
going to be a pet dog or something. <laughs> Cat videos or what have you. Yeah. But uh, do you know what? I've just had a I've had a memory come back to me of like ten years ago when I used to run a run a body shop, and uh, I had some. I was a manager there, and I used to have yeah. some got some older guys work for me um, or part of the team there, and uh, they couldn't get the hang of like every time you leave your desk, lock your lock your computer. Good practice. And uh, yeah, my, my my little punishment would be if they went off to like leave to go to the toilet or go and make a coffee and they left their laptop or computer un- unlocked, yeah. I'd go in and change their desk <laughs> to the background screen to something <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> but they were such technophobes, they wouldn't know how to change it again. <laughs> they, used to, <laughs> they soon learned to lock their, lock their computers though because I then wouldn't change it back for them. They had to find out how to <laughs> Well, on a similar vein, there's a, um, one of the policies for um, looking after your data is um, a clear desk policy. And uh, a clear desk policy is the vein of a lot of businesses. But basically, it's there because um, what people don't realise or forget is that if you're in an office, so this is not at home now, but an office, but it works on a similar vein, um, there, there'll be other people, there'll be cleaners coming in after work. If you've got bits of paper with you know personal information so maybe you've done a review of a couple of staff members and you've got it left them on your desk you know cleaners can come in and they can read this information and so you've got to really think about well when I'm when I'm leaving this desk putting stuff away and it's the same for home as well making sure that stuff gets gets locked away so so I have, I have this client and um, we had the policy the clear desk policy and uh, everyone was signed up to it. So what I did was I gave them, I gave them three weeks, and then and then I went in on a Sunday, and I went around all their desks, and I was looking for personal and sensitive data that had been left on their desk, and and every file I found of this data, I would pick it up, and I'd put post-it notes saying, "Please collect." from your chief exec. And so what they had to do on a Monday when they came in the office and they found this post-it note was they had to go to their chief exec and ask for their file back. So it was a bit of like the walk of shame that they had to make to, to collect this data. And you know what? They, they only did it once. They didn't do it again. They, they learned that the fact that, you know, it is relevant that you should think about what you leave on your desk before you go home. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It one one of the uh, things you just reminded me was one one of the I, I went to Amazon a little while ago and I went and visited the warehouse and it was uh, it, I found it really really fascinating actually the way they they work, the way they stack the shelves and everything there. You would have thought it was like a library and things were put together. Well, actually, no, they're just unloaded and they're literally just ordered by weight, heavy at the bottom, medium in the middle, and light at the top. And you might have maybe 10 locations for the same book, for example, if it's a popular book, because it just means that the computer can send the picker to the most efficient place to pick oh, it. Okay. And um, one of the things I thought was quite interesting was, you know, <laughs> I'd need to be careful what I say that someone might be buying, but say they're buying like something they shouldn't be from Amazon. And you've obviously got a data issue there. Like how much do the pickers know what you're buying? And um, it was quite interesting that actually, they don't, you, the customer information isn't known. They just know what the order is and they go around and pick the information and actually that it all is boxed up and then the customer name the is introduced. Yeah. 
for, yeah. for printing. I found that I found that fascinating. It wasn't something I'd ever really considered because I'm not really one for buying rabbits and things like that that I shouldn't be. <laughs> well, they sell but... baby rabbits today. <laughs> they put holes in the box so they can breathe. Or, or you know, again, I'm not advertising yeah. any other sex toy that you might want to pick. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, right. So the sixth and final scenario. Uh, I I watch my stream TV, which I do Netflix yeah. and Prime and what have you. Uh, play games on the company laptop. You know, it's easy. It's there. I've just finished work. Crack on. Um, and I load my own programs on there as well. What 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 sort of the situation with that, Simon? Well, um, the situation you've got here is um, one, of the, one of the other big issues with people using laptops is um, apart from the, the Chinese trying to hack your machine is uh, they call them um, phishing. So these are the websites which aren't really websites or they're web- websites with a load of uh, malware on uh, which are trying to get hold of your machine so they can, uh, they, they can take it over. Uh, I, I read was it today or yesterday, that uh, I think Australia's had the biggest hack ever in the world. And um, it was it was one of these where they try and force a lot of data uh, into, into websites. And they've worked out that something like 74 million laptops have been, or machines have been taken over by the malware to allow it to do this. So... You know, so it happens. So you know, you need the right kind of software to 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 sort of say, look, don't look at this website. There's something we don't like about it. Um, and also, you just need to be aware that you see, there's this other issue, okay? And this this issue is you, you've had something to drink, and in fact, you've had too much to drink. Never happened. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or whatever it, whatever your tipple is and and it's late at night and 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 you decide to go on and look to buy something so uh this is the worst scenario because a you could be going looking at a website which isn't really what it is so you know it could be a branded website but actually it's some kind of chinese sweatshop which really just wants your your money details um, or it's a laptop which is going to download some some data uh, onto your laptop, and you know this is the worst scenario because when you've had some drink or you're really relaxed, then you know perhaps you're not as um, you know you know you just things can happen yeah. to your laptop, which less, means less that, vigilant. You're less yeah, vigilant. Yeah, but it could be compromised. Yeah. So, um, so that that's why it's, it's. I think you know the perfect world is you have a laptop for work, and then you have a laptop for play, uh, and that the two never really meet. I think that's mm-hmm. you know if you can afford it, you know, which is the the other scenario. Because, but I mean, I have seen recently that the price of laptops um, has come down, but they are still, you know, you will pay three, four, five hundred pound for a laptop. Yeah, but um, you know, maybe it's a good investment for your yeah. business at the end of the day. Yeah. So, if you're a business owner, would you suggest if you were providing staff laptops, would you suggest that you had a policy where, whilst it seems quite strict that they don't use it for personal use, um, in reality, it feels quite strict because it seem to me it seems quite strict and restrictive, what have you, especially when 
for example, I've got a marketing person starting, for example. So I've got a marketing person starting. So they, they need access to all those social social media channels for business anyway. Yeah. So it's quite easy for the lines to get a little bit blurred there. Yeah. But actually, in reality, it's not too difficult for them because they've got access to it from their phone, from their tablet. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, 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 there's a lot of them that have got other stuff. So I just, what's your input on that? Is it much better to just kind of try and keep it strictly business on the laptop? Well, it is, but to be fair, if you want to know what they're up to, just go and have a look at their, their Facebook page because it's got time and days on there so you can see what they're posting and you can see what they're doing. So because social media, you know, social means that, you know, other people can see what's going on. So if you want to know whether they're working or not, just go and have a look at their social yeah. media. Got you. But, but you're right, Pete. It is, uh, there, there, is, there is a policy, the working from home policy, which, which should sort of, put down some of the principles of, of, of how you use uh, social media, but a marketing person would be expected to use social media as part of their, part of their job. Um, and if they, you know, but accounts, uh, you know, maybe social media is not a big thing for them, but if they want to go on social media, then, then just use their phones, you know? Yeah, yeah definitely okay the next question i had was obviously with people going to work remotely there's going to be a lot more zoom calls happening and and this is something in in particular that i've actually experienced firsthand through through networking as well and there's this reluctance or there may be a perceived reluctance from some people to actually go on camera um is there anything that you know how how should people sort of manage that and try and get people on on brilliant question right Okay, brilliant. Are you pleased I asked that one? Yeah, I am. Yeah, right. Okay. So if you take GDPR as, as the law of the land, when we're on a video and it's and it has to be work related. So if I'm your boss, you you and I'm 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 zooming you at, at home, everything that's in that image on that zoom is is private, is is data, a personal data. And and you have a right for that to be private. So the reality is, uh, well, that's no, not the reality, but if you took it to the law, you could refuse to have the Zoom camera on. Now, one of the things that Zoom has done, and it's done this for various reasons, is that it allows you to change the background. And, and the reason it allows you to change the background is so you can block out any pictures of what you've got on the wall and what sits behind you. Now, in your GDPR policy working from home, one of the things that you would probably want to look at is asking for consent for staff uh, to use Zoom and you have the ability to request that they use Zoom so you can see them on the, on the video. And you can refuse that consent if you wanted to, but I've not heard of anyone doing that. And the reality is that, you know, most people are happy for um, for their boss to see them on Zoom because under the circumstances, there's not a lot of other people that they get to see. So, but, but there's a boss. I can't force it on you. No, at the end you. Of the day, you. you have a right to keep it private. Mm. I'm, um, I'm so disappointed with the setup at home as well because I'd love to have like a library of books at the back. So I look really educated like the people on the news. Well... Pete, if you found a photograph on a shelf of books, you could use that as the background for your Zoom. There we go. So, the only thing with my laptop is I don't think the camera's good enough because I, whenever I try and use a background, I'm all blurry and what have you. It looks rubbish. 
So maybe yeah. I need like yeah, a green screen or something. Yeah. The best screen. the best one I I've seen is um, Skype have a button that blurs the background out, and it works oh, nice. really well. So nice. you can't tell. Um, there was this thing about having a load of books in the background. You know, <laughs> people know you don't read them. <laughs> yeah especially some of those politicians i see on the news i think if you'd read those books you probably wouldn't be such an idiot but there we go <laughs> <laughs> and also you try and read down the spine just to see what some of these books are yeah absolutely i i saw i in fact i i can't remember who it was but i was watching the news the other day and someone had clearly tried to make a point of their positioning because they'd actually turned they'd turned there were three books behind them which they turned face forward Right. So they, they they were making a point. Um, he wasn't on the screen for very long, or I only caught him for a short bit of time. I didn't yeah. think to go back, but I wondered that there's clearly a point being made by those three books, particularly being being yeah. turned round that way, so you could see see the uh, face of them. Um, uh, and, so, yeah. and there was a there was a case very recently, um, an Italian Parliament where um, one of the councillors was a woman realised the camera was on, and and she undrew in in front of the camera so she had was on this call so there's about i don't know 20 councillors her she went completely naked topless as she was undressing and then put her clothes back on so you know you, you gotta be careful yeah 100 percent. so here's here's a story for you actually with maggie my wife um and those who are on the podcast listening and not watching that they're gonna struggle with this but yeah. Just there, that's a wardrobe which has got a sliding door, and the yeah. door that slides across is mirrored. And just over there, just where my hand is off camera, my wife was getting changed on Friday with the mirror here. So right. her over there mirrored onto my screen. I had to go like that with my hand. <laughs> yeah, but she knew that, Pete. You know what your wife's like. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. So yeah, and I had I had to go like that. I was like you're naked on camera <laughs> fortunately no one noticed but uh, yeah she was mortified and ever since then we're working out how we can change change the setup in the house to be able to uh, try and prevent that from happening again so that's uh, that's good fun um simon thanks for joining me how do how do people engage you so you know obviously lots of businesses out there handle personal data and and need support from you um how do they engage your services and what can they expect when you come in? Cause I suppose you'd do an audit and just sort of see where the compliance is currently and then make recommendations for adjustment. Can you just sort of talk us through how that works? Yeah. So, um, so, so my business is called PMA limited and, uh, we will have a, uh, we're just doing our website at the moment, but we should be up shortly. But my email is, uh, Simon at P M a.co.uk. And the way it works is that um, people contact me because they know they need to do something uh, with regards to their data and GDPR. They don't know what to do, or they've read all the books, but they still don't know what to do, or, or there's some fines which are happening, and so maybe they decided to do something. And the way it works is that I have a conversation with them about what data they have, uh, what their, what's their security like? What have they got in place at the moment? And I basically do, as you say, Pete, I, I do an audit and I do a gap analysis. So I show them where they are today and where they should be, and we can see the gaps. And then I do an action plan that 
uh, will close the gaps. And, and, and the way I do it is I say to them, look, you could do some of these things. You could do all of them, uh, or I'll do some. I, you know, it's give it up to them what they want to do. So, and, and the other thing is I also help businesses. I, I, I do a lot of training as well. And training is, is probably one of the key elements of GDPR, training staff to understand and realise the value of data data that they use on a day-to-day business. Because staff, I'm afraid, uh, as we've talked about today, are the weakest link. And um, and my job is to make sure that they're not the weakest link. Um, and so that's where training comes in. So I do, do quite a lot of training. I'm, and I'm also doing training on Zoom as well, which works quite well. Perfect. Thank you, Simon. I think, um, you know, I do compliance-related stuff totally different in regards vehicles and, and heavy yeah. goods vehicles but when there's a standard or a criteria that you need to meet and when you're yeah. below that standard actions need to be taken to meet it and i think you know i i, I do empathize because actually when we right at the top of the podcast when we first spoke about gdpr it's a little bit like people just go oh, yeah not relevant to me or, or whatever it may be but actually you know in the same way that i help transport operators make sure they they meet their standards yeah. you can write things off and go it's not going to happen to me or it's not going to you know they've not felt the pain enough but at some point one of those two things are going to happen they're going to have a breach or what have you and they're going to need uh, yeah. your support and it, I, I suppose it's much easier to just go do you know what let's take preventative action up front yeah it is oh, i totally agree i totally agree and the other thing is that um with Brexit, um, if you're a business, you have a website and you sell your products into the EU and also into America and other countries, there's, there's stuff that you need to be made aware of with regards to data protection as well. You know, there's, there's a lot of things happening around the world. And globally, I say this about globally, um, most countries now in the world uh, have built or are, are about to or actually put into place a similar framework to GDPR. So, you know, we, we said something about, about, you know, GDPR, the fact that Brazil, India, Australia, you know, Singapore, that these are all countries which have built their own version of GDPR and put it into place because they realise that data has value. You know, and if you can't move data around the world then, you know, it's going to suppress your commerce. Yeah. So, you know, it's a big thing. 100%. No, brilliant. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Simon. Um, I really, really appreciate it. I think it's been absolutely fascinating and I hope the listeners have enjoyed it. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in and uh, we'll be back next week with another fantastic guest. Thanks again for joining us, Simon, and catch you all soon. I really hope you loved today's episode. And if you did, please make sure you subscribe and listen out for future episodes too. Please do share it across your social media channels. We hope to reach more and help more people. If you want to find out more about me, my name's Pete Rushmer. You'll find me across any social media channel and my business, Flagship Partners. And we're your partners in success across your business. Thank you. See you again soon.